So Money, Episode 3, James Altucher. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, my friends. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and I cannot wait to unleash this episode. It's with someone who is one of the most dynamic, inspiring, gifted, and generous people you will ever come across. His name is James Altucher. You know, there are some friends we all have in life that no matter how much time lapses between getting together or being in touch, you always know this person has your back. This person won't ever be upset with you for going AWOL. In fact, when you finally reach out, you pick up where you left off, and it's just like old times. And for me, that's James. We met while working at thestreet.com several years ago, and we became instant friends. Now, professionally speaking, James Altucher is an American hedge fund manager. He's an entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author, and he's a very successful podcaster. You should definitely check out his show. He has founded or co-founded over 20 companies. He's published 11 books. He's a frequent contributor to publications ranging from the Financial Times to TechCrunch, Seeking Alpha, Huffington Post. USA Today, in fact, named his book, Choose Yourself, second among the 12 best business books of all time. Now, in this next half hour, we'll hear James talk about how money is really just a byproduct of living a healthy life. And he goes in depth about what that healthy life looks like. He also talks very intimately about his scarcity complex. It's something that he struggled with for a long time. He's finally overcome it. He's going to take us through that. So fasten your seatbelt. Here is James Altucher. James Altucher, welcome to So Money, my friend. Farnoosh, I am so excited you're starting a podcast. Really happy to be one of the first guests on your podcast. This is exciting. This is my first time, frankly, recording. Just for listeners out there, um, you know, I've been doing broadcasts for a long, long time, and I actually did dabble in podcasts. Remember James back at thestreet.com? Our last video was when? Oh my gosh. I want to say 2009, maybe 2008. Yeah, like six years ago. Hey, Farnoosh, you remember when... um, we went on like when the iPhone was released, we went to the, the flagship Apple store yes. and did interviewed everybody who was waiting online for like a week for the iPhone. Back when it was weird to do that. And now yeah. it's just normal. Right. And then I remember some kind of uh, homeless guy was like trying to hassle you. And then he like knocked me to the ground. <laughs> You have always been a defender, James. I love you. It's been at least five years since we've spoken voice to voice, which is kind of sad, but you're one of those friends, James, that I'm lucky to have where you can kind of pick up where you left off. And I'm, I'm again, really honored to have you on the show. I just want to brag about you for a moment, though. In In just, what, the last year or two, you've published two phenomenal books. The first, Choose Yourself, which just got celebrated and picked by USA Today as one of the best business books ever written. Wow. Yes. And the most recent you've written, co-authored with your wife, Claudia, The Power of No. I'm actually going through it right now and highlighting it like crazy. But to, to call you an author 
hardly sums up all the phenomenal work you're doing, changing people's lives, James. I mean, let's let's list it. You're an entrepreneur. You've started and you ran more than 20 companies. You're a chess master, sought after speaker. Your blog, jamesaltacher.com, has attracted more than 10 million readers since it launched just a few years ago. You also, of course, have a podcast, which I'm going to be taking notes from, The James Altucher Show. And what, you've got like a zillion followers on Twitter and Facebook. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> but, uh, and last but not least, you're an amazing dad and, and uh, husband. So congratulations, James. You've kind of like been such a renaissance man over the last, well, your entire life. But I say, I think the last few years, you've really had a, like a re-enlightenment. Yeah, no, I think the last few years has been some big changes just because... I think I I think I had like a bit of a roller coaster and I was sort of uh probably close to hitting bottom the last time I saw you and then now you know things you know I think life in general goes in cycles and it's how you handle those cycles that you know make you the person you are. Absolutely. You talk a lot about how ideas are really important, you know, keeping that idea muscle flexed and uh, I follow your writing obviously and you've said that Ideas are the currency of life. They can kind of get you in and out of these different cycles like you talk about. So what does the new year have in store for you? What's James' new ideas right now? Well, I'm very excited about podcasting because I've, I've always been writing and I have a new book coming out, um, The Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth, which sort of takes the ideas from... So the idea of choose yourself is that uh, the economic world has changed. Like you can no longer depend on the safety and security of a corporate job lasting your entire career. And in many cases, you have to develop this skill set to, to choose yourself or else or else you're going to be dependent on someone else choosing you, like like a, a boss or a publisher or a, a corporation or whatever. And if someone else is choosing you, it's never going to be as good as choosing yourself. So that was sort of the idea behind the book, Choose Yourself. And now the Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth is more about how do you develop the skill sets needed to choose yourself. So I'm very excited about that. And then in, just in general, I'm working on different companies and, and investments and so on. So Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth. Was that something that evolved from your readers telling you, James, I want the skills to actually learn how to make money? Yeah, so so like Choose Yourself kind of presents what's happening in the economy and, you know, what are all the myths that we've been programmed with since we were kids uh, about what success means? And then the Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth has more specific details. Okay, how do I improve my ability to sell? How do I improve my ability to, you know, build a business? How do I improve my ability to reinvent myself? Because if you think about it, Farnoosh, and you've done this too, we, we've all been through periods of, um, you know, where we've had to reinvent ourselves, where, where the rug was pulled out from underneath us and we've had to work really hard to kind of, you know, sustain our career or change careers or, or become someone completely different in terms of how we support our family and ourselves and so on. I chose myself in 2009 when I got laid off from the street.com. Yeah, 2009, I got laid off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, truthfully, I had been thinking about going out in the world and being my own boss, but I was scared. I was worried about securing health insurance. I was worried about getting a secure paycheck. And frankly, getting laid off was the best 
thing that ever happened to me. It was the kick in the pants, frankly, that I needed the, the wake-up call, really. And I never went back to even being interested in a desk job, in working for corporate America. I mean, I, I just, I, I really appreciate that moment in my life now looking back. Certainly, I cried myself to sleep for several nights, maybe even a whole week after that happened. I was devastated because it's, it's a blow to your ego. You know, when someone says, we no longer want your services, especially at the street where I really felt really synergistic there, you know, and, and then to be like told to, you know, kiss off was kind of, um, depressing, but you get, you know, you pick yourself up and you're better than ever. Well, you know, and there's a biological reason for it. Like, you know, mammals are herd animals, so we need to be in the herd. And if you're kind of kicked out of the herd, like, or if you're put on sort of the side of the herd, then it's more likely that a predator that's chasing the herd is going to eat you. Even if you wanted to leave anyway, and we've all felt this, even if you internally wanted to leave, if they're the ones kicking you out, then you feel biologically like this is not even in your conscious brain, it's in your unconscious brain. Your unconscious brain is scared for because of three million years of history right. that you're going to get eaten by a lion. All right, let's talk about money. This show is about money, obviously. Uh, not so much, you know, where you're hiding your investments, but, you know, our philosophies, our behaviors, successes, failures. And I was reading your book over the weekend, The Power of No, uh, highlighted a sentence in the section where you talked about saying no to jealousy. You said, and I quote, I have a problem with my relationship toward money. And this is in the context of where you were describing how you've gone from having you know, millions in the bank, lots of success, to then shortly after, so little you had to literally ask your parents for money and they rejected you. Um, you've experienced yes. all these highs and lows. So let's start there. My first money question for you, James, how would you describe your relationship with money today and how has it evolved? You know, relationship with money is a is a real weird word. Uh, like when I have a relationship with uh, my wife or a relationship with my children or a relationship with a friend, um, I like to think of it as, you know, we're, we're all equals and we have to respect each other and, and there's boundaries, but we, we respect and love and trust each other. Um, but with money, uh, money is a thing that I use. So it's not something I really have... A relationship with but I do think psychologically like internally for a long time I've had what I'll call a scarcity complex I'm always worried you know or I have in the past always been worried that I'm about to go broke and even if you know you know even though that's not the case uh, every now and then that thought comes up and so the key to having for me a good relationship with money is to realize that money is much less important than I always thought it was. What's much more important, or what's much more important, is my belief in myself. So, am I healthy? Am I around people who I love and trust? Am I constantly generating ideas and practicing my what I call my idea muscle, exercising my idea muscle? And I am, and am I grateful for what I have? Because if every day I do those four things, then guaranteed, it's like a guarantee I will have money. The, the best predictor of a successful tomorrow is to have a successful today. Hmm. And the only way to have a successful today is to be healthy in those four areas I just described. So in other words, it's like that saying, do what you love, the money will follow. Almost. I mean, 
sometimes if you do what you love, uh, you know, the money might not follow. Often people love what they're good at. So you might not love something at first, but then you're good at it, and then you love it, and then you make money at it. So so often we love what we make money at because we're making money at it. Uh, so that ha- sometimes happens as well. But I find in general, um, when I'm doing what I love and I do it really with intent for a long period of time, I tend to make money at it. Got it. Well, along those lines, I mean, do you have any kind of financial philosophies or mantras that you live by that maybe um, are a reflective of kind of how you've evolved financially over the years? You know, maybe you've, there are lessons learned and now you have this kind of idea about money or saying or philosophy. I think sometimes it helps people to reflect on money in that way. Um, yeah. So, so, so I find that uh, money is just a byproduct of living a healthy life. If you're physically, emotionally, mentally, and let's call it spiritually healthy, money is a byproduct of that. People say, oh, pe- you, only, you can only say that after you have money. I can tell you for sure I had no money, and then I started focusing every day on just 1% improving my life physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and then money appears. And again, it's not always doing what I love. For instance, I'm a board member on several companies of things that I'm not really that interested in, but I make money from them. And again, these opportunities happen because I stay healthy and I constantly am coming up with ideas. I'm constantly practicing coming up with ideas. I'm constantly grateful for what I'm already abundant in. And then it's just natural that more opportunities come my way. It's almost like having faith in something. Like I trust that if I build this foundation, the house will be solid. And that has always been true for me. I never think about the money first. I never think, how can I make more money? I always think about, how can I be more healthy in these four areas? And 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 by doing that, let's say I come up with 10 ideas a day. Often, I come up with 10 ideas for other companies or other people and how their lives can benefit. And so I share my health with others and that boomerangs back to me in in the form of money often and what do you do with your money like what's your favorite thing to do when you when you get paid like what's the first thing you do my favorite thing to do is to do nothing with it like (laughs) uh i think i think i used to make the mistake that you needed to do something with money but now i don't really i i like my life the way it is i like to read i like to write i like to do these podcasts i like to spend time with my kids i actually make an effort each day to you know, throw things out that I no longer use or give to, give them to charity or whatever. So I don't do anything with my money. I don't even really invest my money unless it's an extremely special investment. Okay, James, let's talk about money memories. I want to ask all my guests about their earliest money memory and how it necessarily shaped their mindset at the time or in the future about money. So if you could think of a moment, I mean, you talked a little bit about scarcity complex. I'm wondering if that's rooted in something that happened to you as a kid. Um, maybe it didn't. Uh, but what was an early money memory that has a really interesting lesson learned, good or bad? Well, that's a really that's a really good question, Farnoosh. Uh, no one's asked me that on a podcast. I think uh, I was always worried, you know, every month. My father, he was an entrepreneur and he had a computer software business in the 1980s. And every month, every day he would come into the door and say, uh, next month is going to be our big month. We're going to sign a big deal and everything's going to be huge. And 
So I was always thinking we're about to be rich, and it never happened. Like, next month, it was always the next month. And so it just never, ever happened that he really achieved his financial goals. But he, but there was always this constant sense of anticipation. And then eventually, he went totally broke, uh, and his business went out of business. And I think that really scared me that I was going to repeat his pattern. So he was always too optimistic about his money opportunities. He was constantly focused on them. So he was traveling all the time trying to get this next big deal. And and then he went kind of broke and crazy. And uh, I was always afraid that this was going to happen to me. And I guess I still am afraid. Like you never really, you know, give up on these things. But I think it's important to realize that, you know, as they say in the investment world, you know, prior performance does not indicate, is not a predictor of future performance. And I think that's what I've always had to convince myself of. And it's only in the past few years that I've really, you know, more or less convinced myself of that. And how have you convinced yourself of that? I mean, what happened a couple of years ago? I think I, I kind of hit bottom. So I sold my, my uh, I sold a company to the street.com where we both worked and I sold it for a lot of money. And then I just uh, kind of spent it like crazy, and uh, uh, and it really was just like insane the way I, I would just spend money like like it was nothing, and so I ended up losing all my money, losing my house, getting divorced, uh, and really being too ashamed also because money I defined almost my self worth with my net worth, so I was ashamed to tell people about it, so I had no friends to talk to, and so I kind of had to say also. This has happened to me before. This has happened to me like four or five times, like the exact same thing. And so I had to say to myself, well, what worked on the way up and what didn't work on the way down? And again, it was related to this idea of health. Like in, instead of going out, you know, drinking and eating and not exercising and not sleeping well, I had to focus on my physical health. I was, I had to focus on just being around people who I really enjoyed and who trusted me and loved me. I had to really focus on exercising my idea muscle. I had sort of given up. Like I, after I sold my company, I sort of said, okay, I don't need any good ideas anymore. But, you know, ideas are not a dime a dozen. People think they are, but they're not. They're, it's very hard to come up with good ideas. And so I had to keep, I write down every day, I still do this, I write down 10 ideas a day, good or bad. You have to give yourself permission to come up with tons of bad ideas. On your waiter pad? <laughs> uh, on the waiter's pad, yeah. So I wanted to just not like make huge improvements, but just 1% a day. Emotionally, yeah. on an emotional level, I wanted to just be around people who are good for me. And I started, I stopped being around people who made me feel bad about myself, which sounds like it's easy, but it's really not such an easy thing. Ideas, I wanted to constantly come up with ideas. So I write down 10 ideas a day on a waiter's pad. And I still do this. And you have to give permission. You have to give yourself permission to have bad ideas as well. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's no good. Like, you, you'll be too much of a perfectionist. And what are these ideas about? Are they all about, like, what are, what's the range? Where, what are you, where does your mind go when you think about ideas? Everywhere, like you, could, it doesn't even matter because the hard thing is coming up with ten ideas, no matter what the theme is. So, for instance, I might, um, you know, I might read a book and write down ten things I learned from this book, or I might uh, be, uh, I might be about to go into a board meeting. Ten ways I can 
help this company improve their profits. Uh, or I might think 10 books I can write or 10 articles I can write. So they're all across, they're all across the board. You know, uh, the key is really just exercising this idea muscle. You know, if you get into an accident and you can't walk for two weeks, just two weeks, your leg muscles atrophy so fast that you need physical therapy to walk again. And it's the same thing that's true with your idea muscle. If you don't use it, and I would sort of kind of give up using my idea muscle after I sold the company, but now I don't make that mistake anymore. Every day I exercise the idea muscle, and the idea is after six months of doing this, I guarantee you all your listeners will be idea machines. And then the key responsibility once you become an idea machine is to constantly give ideas to other people. And that that's how abundance is returned to you, is when you're kind of, if you give more value to other people, then you could have total faith that ultimately abundance is returned to you. And that has never failed me. And then finally, gratitude. So every day, whenever I notice in myself, oh, I'm complaining about something, I make sure that I change that complaint to gratitude. And that's a way of practicing mindfulness, but it's also you can't be grateful for what you're not abundant in, and that in turn increases my abundance. So I find that when I do these things, I make an enormous amount of money. And I'm not I'm not bragging when I say this. I've seen I've now I've been writing about this for five years. I get emails every day from people who are doing the same thing, and I'm not selling this. These are all simple ideas, uh, and I'm sharing it freely. But I get emails every day from people who try the same things and abundance happens in, in their lives as well. I love that. You know, we sometimes think we have to keep our ideas to ourselves. We're so scared. That yeah. That's someone's a gonna big, run off with the, with our great idea. That That's a big question that uh, I get like, Oh, I don't want to, people ask me, Oh, I have ideas, but I'm afraid if I give them out, I won't get paid for them. Never think about, never expect to get paid for your ideas. And when you keep your expectations really low, I can guarantee your expectations will be exceeded. And I've been amazed how many times I've given out free ideas and abundance has come back to me, not just in the form of money, but in the form of contacts, connections, future opportunities. One of my questions is what's a so money moment for you, James? So share with me like a moment in your life where you had a financial win, perhaps stemming from this behavior of, you know, flexing your idea muscle. Share that. Well, well, one one basic example is um, uh, I'm on the board of a public company, Corporate Resources. Uh, they're an employment agency, and I kept giving them ideas. And this is the one company that they asked me to be on their board of directors. And at first, I was like, No, no, just have the ideas for free. It's no big deal. Uh, but they they made me uh, basically a financial offer. I couldn't refuse. And I, I very much enjoyed being on their board, but this was a case where it was purely an example of me giving them ideas for free. Another example, I gave um, Amazon, you know, I do a lot of self-publishing through Amazon. So I gave Amazon 10 ideas how they can improve uh, their their publishing. And uh, and this is Amazon. The, the yeah. major Who did you write to? Was it like info at Amazon.com? Like, who is your contact there? You know, a friend of a friend of a friend was one of the heads of business development. So I just reached out. Often, by the way, when you reach out and give ideas for, to people, they ignore you. So yeah, it's there's a quantity game here as well. So you know, I, I've given ideas to Google. Nobody ever got back to me. Amazon. Some, but not only did they get back to me, they flew me out to Seattle, and I got to meet you know 
essentially all the people running their self-publishing division, and they all showed me what they're working on. I didn't get paid for it, nor do I expect to get paid for it. But who knows what future opportunity uh, I'll have, you know, when I self-publish my next books or whatever. It's just I, I, I build out my relationships and my network. Sometimes you get paid, but no matter whether you, money is not abundance. No matter what, when you share your ideas, your abundance automatically increases. It may come back to you in the form of money. It may come back to you in the form of a better network. It may come back to you in the form of future opportunities. Who knows? But uh, no matter what, I have faith that by building these muscles out, gratitude, idea, emotional, physical, that uh, future opportunities exist and money will constantly happen. Money is just a byproduct of abundance, of having uh, faith in building this foundation. I love this so much because, you know, people don't want to think about money. It stresses them out. But people would enjoy thinking about ideas and networks and connecting and sharing. And that, to me, is a lot more human and 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 really just takes us to higher places than, like you said, like just worrying about your next paycheck, trying to manage your money effectively dollar for dollar. That's really, really stressful and, and often ends up with more failure than than wins. So, but this is something I think anyone can do and anyone no matter what your income, no matter where you are in your life, you can start exercising this today and hopefully yeah. see results. And people think, "Oh, I can only do that once I make money." I can tell you for a fact, I was at zero when I started doing this and literally have have made millions doing doing this approach. And I only think about today. Am I doing these four things today? Uh, because that sets the, the the groundwork for tomorrow, and that's all. That's the today and tomorrow are the only two days that that matter. A guy might be dead after that. Well, we certainly hope not. Right, but but you know, to be honest, okay, this is an, this is an interesting issue as well. I hope not as well, just for the sake of my kids. But for me, I won't care because I'd be dead. So uh, I only worry about: Am I physically healthy today? Am I around people I love today? Am I am I coming up with tons of ideas like that I love today? And am I grateful today? Else, what's the point of my existence? You know, and that's that's the only thing I have to worry about. James, we're getting close to the end of the interview, but before we wrap, I want to do a so money fill in the blank kind of lightning round. Okay, so Excellent. I'm going to start off a sentence, and you're going to finish your it. First- this is your first lightning round. This is, this is an interesting idea for the for the podcast. Good. Right. I think it'll be fun. So, okay, fill in the blank. If I won the lottery tomorrow, say $100 million, I would? Just put it in the bank and then probably uh, give most of it to charity. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Waiter pads. Waiter pads. I love it. Idea muscle. Yes. My, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is? Uh, probably, you know, when I take, uh, this is, it requires explanation. When I take my kids on vacation, uh, I, I believe that people should spend money on experiences and not material things. I because agree. experiences you sort of take with you forever and material things you kind of lose interest in. So when I take my kids on vacation, I, I like to rent uh, through Airbnb, a nice place, and then I fill the place with games. So I'll call a local game distributor and I'll get a, a ping pong table shipped in, a pool table, arcade games, basketball games, uh, foosball, 
and I just make the house as fun as possible. Wow. So that's like kind of my guilty pleasure. Dad of the year. Yes. Okay, James. Right now, I have blank dollars in my wallet, and uh, I'll probably use it to buy blank. I have I have a wad of two dollar bills in my pocket, and I use two dollar bills to tip because nobody ever forgets you if you tip with two dollar bills. And aren't two dollar bills extinct? <laughs> no. What What you do is you go to the bank. Okay. And you say I'd like to have a thousand two dollar bills. And then they go to the Federal Reserve oh my gosh. a couple of weeks and, and then they call you and say, okay, we have your $2 bills ready. And they deduct $2,000 from your bank account and give you the wad of $2 bills. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to do that as an experiment and let you know how it goes. You, you should do it. It's, it, it works. I, I could tell you when I first moved to the town that I live in, uh, literally, I, I wanted everyone to remember me. So I went to every store and I bought items with $2 bills. And pretty soon the town, the economy of the town was like flooded with $2 bills. Like everybody started. <laughs> the James effect. Exactly. Okay. A couple more. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because. Um, women for Women International, which helps uh, women who have, who have had their families destroyed by war, usually in Africa or the Middle East. And um, the women are usually single mothers and they're starting companies. And Women for Women International um, has a very low administrative uh, rate. Like most of their money goes to the charity. And uh, I think they do a very good job. I love that. Good for you. That's amazing. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I highly recommend them. And finally, James, I'm so money because... I'm so money because I do only spend time with people I love and trust, and and that's why I'm doing this podcast with you, Farnoosh. Like we've had so many good times together. Like at thestreet.com, we've done a thousand videos together. So you know, we were doing video before video was cool. Be- right. before YouTube even got sold. That's how long ago. We had we we were the first podcasters. So mm-hmm. that's how that's how that's how old we are. Well, I'm, again, I'm honored that you've chosen me to share part of your day with, and uh, I will be following your work as I always have been. This has been such a valuable experience. You're an amazing guest and an amazing person. I'm proud to call you my friend. Tell us where we can learn more about you and your book. Yeah, well, the Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth um, is coming out either in January or February. I'll probably release it first to people on my email list and then release it on Amazon 30 days later. I like to self-publish because you can make more money and get wire distribution that way. Uh, and jamesaltucher.com, uh, you can find me, or the James Altucher Show is my podcast, and I also have a podcast called Ask Altucher. So and those are the main ways. Thank you so much, James. I hope Oprah's listening because I seriously, you need to go on like a Super Soul Sunday. This is <laughs> we'll you, and, you and, and okay. um, your, your lovely wife need to go on there and promote your, your work on her show. I think she would totally dig it. And Farnoosh, congratulations on launching your podcast. I, I wish you the best of luck with this. It, it sounds like it's going to be really great. Thank you. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Thanks. What did I tell you? James 
list is definitely one to follow. His book is called Choose Yourself. And as he mentioned, soon there's going to be Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth. For more, check out jamesaltucher.com. He's got two top-rated podcasts as well, including The James Altucher Show and Ask Altucher. And I also suggest you might want to follow him on Facebook because there he posts some incredible ideas and inspiring stories every single day. And he writes at length, but it's worth the read. As always, for the transcript, comments, resources, and links mentioned in this episode, please head over to SoMoneyPodcast.com. And yes, I want to hear from you. Submit your questions about money, work, life, guests, and there's a very good chance I'm going to answer it this weekend. Go to SoMoneyPodcast.com to submit those questions, and I will do my best to answer every single one either this Saturday or Sunday. And I love your shout outs. Keep them coming. Tweet me at Farnoosh. Use the hashtag so money. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hope your day is so money.